Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Full house this morning as we talk about homes in transition or transitional periods in life and legal and financial and real estate issues surrounding those things. We've been talking a lot about divorce. Maybe we'll continue on that a little bit and then transition, pun intended, to something else. So we have, I have joining me this morning, Sharon McNamara, broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate. We have Melissa Wallace with Boston Connect Real Estate. And we're continuing, and stick around. We have another hour of our show, but stick around because we're we're going to go right into talk real estate with Sharon McNamara and Melissa from 10 to 11 this morning. Yes. And we have three attorneys in the studio. Good morning again, ladies. Amy Hubert Masfer with Sherman Law. She's a real estate attorney. We have Erin Nally, who's an estate planning attorney with Starboard Legal and Allison Walsh, family law attorney, Walsh Law Office. So thanks again for being here. I'm just meeting these ladies for the first time, but the conversation has been great. And let's continue. So I, I did want to loop you in, Erin, on the estate planning side. We've talked a lot about divorce and issues surrounding that. So I guess my first question would be divorce is still common as is it I don't know the statistics half mm-hmm. of divor- half of marriages end in divorce or something yeah. along those lines. When you're doing estate planning is it ha- for a newly married couple for example or a couple just starting their family is that top of mind for you is it addressed at all our prenups I guess prenup would be before they got married but is how does this come in how does this factor into what you do for your clients? Yeah, estate planning is really I often tell people it's just the directions of what's going to be taking place if you can't perform whatever task you're only able to perform. I tell people all the time, it comes down to your signature. If you can't sign for something or you can't provide a photo ID for something, who's going to do it for you? If you don't assign it to someone, you're going to go to probate court. Judge is going to do it for you and go through the their due diligence of making sure that whoever's making the request to handle whatever it is on your behalf is responsible enough to do so. It's mine is the it doesn't give a lot of instant gratification, yeah. but it's the sort of thing that if you do need it, you're going to wish you had it. Yeah. when you need it because yeah. at that point it's a little late. Oh, it's a huge pain. If you don't have, yeah, if you haven't done estate planning and yeah. something comes up, it's, right. a hu- it's a huge pain. I had a, I have one client who, her, she was divorced. They had two kids. Her ex-husband passed away without any estate planning documents and in his it was just a complicated situation it took her five, five years to settle his estate yeah. or something like that and she needed conservatorship for her young yeah. kids and they weren't even married but just the complications surrounding that and the issues with his side of the family and where do the assets go and all that stuff and I guess I could tell you I could tell you story after story about 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 people that haven't planned and how much work it is to go through the courts and how long it takes oh yeah and maybe the courts are back up and running as normal now, but the last couple of years, everything has just taken yeah. so long. All that was so not great. Long. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're always, yeah. That's true, yeah. But how common are prenuptial agreements? Are they common at all? 
they're I don't find them to be particularly common. Yeah. I love it when people have a prenuptial agreement only because it's just I don't know, to me I feel like it's such a wonderful sign of respect to be able to sit down and calmly be like, hey, listen, what's yours is yours, what's mine is mine. Yeah. Let's get together and like you're settle you're coming to an agreement on something when you're calm. In Allison's practice, they're like coming in gangbusters. And another thing. And so that's where if you can, everyone can keep their head about it and make calm decisions. Then when things aren't calm, you're like, all right, we had my together here. Yeah. So let's follow these directions that we know that we put in place. But again, they're also something that you want to look at every three to five years at least Mm. because so many things change whether it's your assets or your people or your values or maybe a divorce has taken place and now maybe your first assignment isn't your first assignment anymore. Yeah. So. It doesn't surprise me that they're not common. Still, people are getting married younger ages when they have an right. accumulated ass. They're mm. not really thinking about that. And no one goes into at least their first marriage thinking they're going to get divorced. Right. So it doesn't... Right. Why would we be planning for that? That's not That's not going to happen. You can understand that. Yeah. Peace I, of mind. But I would imagine... why people yeah. don't do estate planning. Uh, right. It's why yeah. people it's not gonna, don't... Right, 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 right. right. They consider it like that. So my father, who might be listening. Hi, Dad. He's 88. He's an attorney. Yeah. And it took me forever to get him to do his estate plan because there is this sort of idea that you're bringing, because you're planning for it, now it's going to happen. And Hmm. we say 50%, I think it's even higher now, marriages end a divorce. Everybody's life ends in death, but yet you're not going to escape it. (laughs) But not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. But again, it's about making sure the focus is always about, do you want things to be in your control? Do you want your wishes to be carried out and to have that understanding? I do see some prenuptial agreements. You know what? I see more common is cohabitation agreements. I wondered about that because many people, okay, that's for people that are living together but aren't married. I was also thinking about people that aren't married that own real estate together and what sort of agreements should be in place for that. So typically, with the prenuptial agreements, a lot of times you have, most people are entering their marriage typically on equal footing if they're marrying young. So there's not yeah. tremendous assets. So they, and I think there's still a stigma around prenuptials that like, of course I love you. I trust you. We're in it. However, together. yeah. <laughs> What's exactly. mine is yours. Yeah. However. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. With a cohabitation agreement, especially with the housing market where it is, where we see this come in a lot, is one one parent is putting up money for that couple to buy the property. And then the parent is saying, we really like Johnny, but if this doesn't work out, the money goes with you. So we, we do see that frequently. And typically with the cohabitation agreement, the couples are more amendable to it because they understand that they haven't made that commitment yet. So it's less it's less offensive to them. They realize that they're trying out living together and they're trying out owning things together. Again, they're typically young couples and an asset is usually coming from a third party, which makes that conversation easier to be like, I love you. It's forever. Dad says. I would imagine many yes. prenups are driven by one family the force, yeah. the force of the hand of one family member exactly. or side of the family. Yes. Is yeah. a co- does a cohabitation agreement apply specifically to equity in a piece of real estate? Or is it I, more broad than that? Typically, is for it, my purposes, it can be more broad. Yeah, it can be more broad. Yeah, yeah. Be more, pro- more broad. For my purposes, it's just around the real estate and that asset. So it can be very limited. Typically, like a couple, that's their first major shared asset is a house. Yeah. Or, yeah. So that's typically where I see it. Do you prepare cohabitation agreements? Who, who does that? The estate planning attorney or... 
I, I can do you them. Do the real estate, estate attorneys. I can do real estate. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. All would, you ladies can do them. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I would say I think they're less common now than they used to be. I went to law school in New York State, and so we New York State was later having gay marriage than Massachusetts was. Massachusetts yeah. was like what 2004, I think, and now obviously since 2014, it's nationwide. But for many states, for a long time, because they didn't have the laws that we had here, you had to just do cohabs. Oh, I see. Okay, because they couldn't. No, because there was marry. They couldn't marry. So you would see the cohab agreement almost like the separation agreement. So if folks were together, they might have a cohab, what we call cohab, to say who's going to pay the bills, who's going to get whatever. But even if they didn't have one, that was almost how you divide. If they broke up, who's going to get the equity in the house? Who's going to, is there going to be a division of retirement assets? Who's paying child support if they adopted a child, whatever. So I think they're a little bit less common now, which is a good thing that now we can all just access the same justice. Yeah. During that time too, estate planning was so like needed to be done. Yeah, Yeah. that was crucial. So much more important when they couldn't marry, you mean? Because they didn't have the state laws to protect each other. Yeah, wasn't that natural. This is my spouse. The property is passing to them. My assets are passing to them. Everything had to be documented. Healthcare proxies, power of attorneys. They couldn't just step in as a spouse. So that's some in Pride Month. That's some. I know. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to worry about that. But now that they're married, they can get divorced. So Sharon and Melissa, like how often are you working with couples that are purchasing a home together not being married and maybe talk through the complications and the discussions that you have with them surrounding that and the, I don't know, warnings or guidance or not warnings, but guidance (laughs) in that regard and nothing that's wrong with that, but it's just a little different, more complicated. Is it pretty common for young, young Um, couples to be looking at real estate together without being married? I feel like I see a lot when I host open houses, a lot of people, and I go to a lot of the open houses that our agents do because I do all the social media for them. So I do attend a lot of open houses and I do see, because you know, you overhear, people tend to overshare at open houses. So they're walking around, they feel comfortable in the house and they're like, oh yeah, like we're, we're, this is going to be our first house together. We're getting married. They might be engaged or like thinking about getting engaged or something like that. I, I think... I, it's hard for me because I'm also out there trying to buy a house on my own, yeah. not with a partner. So I feel like my mindset has shifted. For me, it's I want to do this on my own. I don't, I want to, if I can't do it on my own, then I shouldn't do it. That's my mindset. But Sharon, what, I'm trying to think of like your active clients right now that are looking and I'm thinking of, do you even, do you Or have, sellers yeah. too, is it really common for couples to not be married selling a home or is it not that common? Oh, can't hear Sharon. Can you guys? No. Oh, yeah, I can't hear Sharon. Oh, we can't hear you. Hold on. Maybe Tim needs to turn you on or something. He's running in. Tim's to the rescue. No? Oh. I definitely see a mix for sure. We have a lot of people who buy that first condo together, South Boston. Yeah. They're maximizing that value and moving up. So I still see it. A lot of times there's a ring in between. Uh, You're dealing with it. Those engagements can last a while. uh, Yeah. 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 Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. There we go. Yeah. Okay, great. So I think it's always a great idea until it isn't. Yeah. (laughs) When we're seeing people do that. And I always say definitely, I think that's when Amy, I would say definitely 100% is educating before they make that final decision to do that as couples. Because a lot of times if they're just dating that breakups are easy, but then that can just end up being a little bit of a mess. Yeah, but we do see it. And I always say a great idea would be to put that like ring in a box that when she's undoing it, make this official. So we do see that a lot. One of the other things I was thinking of as everybody was talking to, though, is with 
a lot of times I see it with women, but it is men too. And Alyssa, we definitely saw this when we were doing financially secure women. A lot of times women are giving up their jobs and their at-home moms and they're giving up their careers and they're doing all that. So I am curious how that sort of plays into things for both for all of the attorneys on our panel today too, is how is what is fair at that point? Because now the woman is having a hard time even getting back into the workforce. You know what I mean? Mm. After they've given up their whole career. Is that thought of in a prenup? It can be. Yeah, absolutely. The Massachusetts alimony statute actually has a special carve out for that. There's a concept called rehabilitative alimony, which basically is like a six month to five year opportunity for a stay at home mom to kind of get back on her feet. So it would almost be like some additional financial support from the wage earning husband. And I've seen in the past, sometimes people go back and get a master's degree. They might do a career change, get a teaching certificate, right? To have the same schedule as the kids. They're going to go teach school. So it gives you a little bit of time to maybe recertify yourself, get back into the career and then ramp that up. And then the idea would be at the end of a few years, you'd be at a better earning place yeah. and that support can be adjusted. Do the courts get involved at all? And in, I'm not sure how to frame this question, but think of an example where I guess it'll be sexist. The, the male member of the couple is working. The female member of the couple e- either is working part-time or took some time mm-hmm. off. And e- even women that put their careers on hold can temporary and then back to work, but still maybe earnings ability takes a little while to catch up because they were out of the workforce for a period of time or whatever, or maybe they go back part time. So think of a situation like that. And then, and then they divorce. And I understand that alimony is, if they can't agree on it, the calculation, right? It's, I don't know, a third of the difference or something like that. You could talk about the specifics, but so I guess my question is if the, if for example, the female member of the couple is just working part time or not working much at all. But ha- but based on experience and, and education, has the ability at some point to go back to work and earn X dollars based on her career path. Wh- but what if she doesn't want to and she can make a life work on the alimony that she's receiving? Does the court get involved at all and will like... Any sort of judgment or, yeah, because then you think of the male member of the couple and you could imagine maybe at some point, especially when the kids are older, maybe frustrations in that regard. Right. And, and, but she could go back to work. So I shouldn't have to pay her ex alimony and things like that. I'm just thinking of avoiding stress on an already stressful situation. So do the courts get involved in any sort of judgments in that regard? They can. So there's a, there's a, nobody's going to force you to go to work, right? Like you can't force somebody to go get a job or whatever. And it's not that easy to be like, you could earn X. I understand that. Yeah. Vocational yeah, yeah. experts that can figure that out. Oh, so there, you can do that. Okay. There, there, yes, there are people that you can hire, and they will tell you what you can and should make. Okay. Uh, and that be, that becomes useful. And sometimes we need those okay. vocational experts because the courts have a concept called imputation of income. So basically, nobody's going to force you to go get a job. But if you're and if you have a baby at home, it's a very sure, if there's sure. like a two year old yeah. or especially like a breastfeeding child, yeah, like no yeah. one's making mom yeah, go yeah, back yeah. to work. Yeah. But yeah. if all the kids are kindergarten and above, and mom Mom has X amount of hours during the day. Yeah. There becomes sort of a presumption that okay. mom should be working. Would mom be making the same as if she hadn't left the workforce five years ago? Of course not. That's, That's right. where you got to do the math. But if mom just chooses to not, and again, mom, I'm sorry to be using gender stereotypes, but it's say, it is more common. It's you can't, more common. You can't argue that. But yeah, if yeah. mom decides okay. that okay, I don't want to go back to work, the court can factor in a presumed income okay. for her so that the husband wouldn't be paying as much. But in that situation, the husband would have right. to bring her to court. 
court, probably. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't just. And there'd be arguments made yeah. as to why or why not. Okay. A different situation would be if we, we see marriages that break up after 30 years or something and the wife's been out of the workforce for 30 or more years. Oh, sure. That's a, at that point, that's your earnings ability is you're very not, different. You're not going to yeah. be able to go back and, and start off and make that. Um, now, that's a situation where we'd be looking more at there'd be basically a lifetime alimony order mm-hmm. until the husband either stopped working or retired. Yeah. And oftentimes I see clients like that, that they'll go and get a part-time job or something to supplement, but they're never going to get back into their career the way that it was when yeah. they were in their 20s or whatever. Can you remind us what, I know there are certain things like in a divorce agreement that are final and then there are certain things that aren't. Or modifiable. Right. Yeah. Right. And I forget the terminology that you attorneys like to use, but <laughs> just yeah. legalese on Latin. Yeah. So it's, uh, so there's parts of the divorce judgment that we call survive and there's parts that merge oh, and okay. those are the two legal terms. But effectively the survival is really just the things you can't change. Okay. So it just, it's going to be that way forever. It's going to survive like that forever. The things that can change, we say merge and that gets a little bit dicey, but basically that means you can keep going back to court. Okay. That it becomes modifiable. So things that are modifiable are anything to do with your kids because we can't project you get divorced when your kid is two who knows what's going to happen 10 years from now who's working where has somebody lost their job or is your child going to go to college does a child have a special need like we have no idea at that age so that you can always go back anything on a kid always can go back Things that are always survivable, meaning you can't change it, are the asset division. There's no second look at that okay. unless there, if there were fraud or some sort of criminal activity. Okay. Would, okay. But absent extraordinary circumstances, if you guys decide somebody's keeping the house, someone's keeping the retirement yeah. account and we're splitting the bank account, that's not going to get, okay. you don't get a second bite at the apple on that. Things that can can survive or can change depending on so you have a choice on this is alimony sometimes people like to lock their alimony in okay especially if it's a shorter term alimony order like i was talking about just a few years kind of assume i'm making this i want to lock in the number that might be beneficial to them yeah in case they get a raise or something like that there's sure. benefits there's right? reasons yeah and or you can leave it modifiable and then it would it could fluctuate based on income etc health insurance for the party so health insurance for the children you can always go back because it's okay. kid related yeah but health insurance for the husband or wife, you can either make a decision that's final or you can leave that as an open open decision as well because, again, what if the employer provides the health insurance and somebody loses their job? That is a situation that you might need to go back and take a look at it again. Okay. So those are the big buckets. Yeah. Is it common for couples to go back to bring each other back to court and modify those things? Or? With I kids? With so. kids? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. With, yeah. 100%. Yes. Yeah. With, if, with kids, if you get divorced and your children are young, I would say you're almost certainly going to have to go back at least once. Uh, yeah. And typically, I'm you know, not an do- attorney, Alyssa, and I could have answered that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ch- dealing with child because there, there, there's so many life changes that happen yeah. between your chi- time your child's born and the time that they're 21 or yeah. 22, right? Yeah. So it's right. like you've got to deal with if there's a, a new job, a job loss, changing the child support temporarily. You might have to deal with, like I said, health insurance. Somebody loses their job. Who's yeah. gonna, is the other spouse going to pick up the insurance for the kids? How are we paying for college? Right, that's a hot topic. How are how yeah. are we deciding which college yes, are we going to do UMass? Are we going to take out the <laughs> yeah. loans and go somewhere else? <laughs> All of those pieces can get decided or litigated down the line. So yeah, yeah, with kids, I would say almost definitely less so with, if it's a short-term marriage and there's no kids, 
that pretty much is a walk away. Like you typically don't go back and modify on that. Oh, yeah. And then longer term marriages, sometimes we'll see people go back to modify alimony, but that's usually, yeah. that's typically. What I guess my question was more like, I'm the, like the eternal optimist. Like how often are couples just like working that stuff out on their own versus mm-hmm. going back to court? People, I mean, I guess you don't really know because you might not see the couples that just kind of work it out on their own. Or, yeah. People work a lot of stuff out on their own. Yeah. It's when they get stuck that they come to us. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes we have people come back that are like, yeah, we've had this parenting arrangement with custody or whatever. We haven't followed it at all. I yeah. hear that. And then it's as so As long we, as they're we, cooperating. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. never followed yeah, it. And now happy. they, they yeah. finally hit a bump in the road. And then somebody's, yeah. hey, that's not your day. Yeah. Oh, and then all of a sudden, it's, we have to start back at square one. Okay. I have a question for Erin, if I can. Go ahead. Can we only in? have a couple minutes, but maybe we can finish it after the okay, break. So Go ahead. Maybe, yeah. yeah, we can finish it up. So I had heard of a situation where somebody, he owned a, a, the, a property before he got married. And he had it in an irrevocable trust. And then... So now her name isn't on it. And after 15 years of being married, getting divorced, what happens there? There's no way she's getting any of that. I'll tell you that right now. But hold on. We'll, talk, we'll have the attorney answer that after the break. <laughs> We're going to take a break and then Erin can think about her response to that. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We had some great conversation this morning about transitionary, I would call it transitionary periods in life. We've focused a lot regarding surrounding divorce, but maybe we can switch it up after the break and then we'll continue on to from 10 to 11 to talk real estate roundtable with Sharon McNamara and Melissa Wallace. I'll just again give out the name of our awesome guest this morning, Amy Hubert Masper, real estate attorney with Sherman Law, Erin Nally, an estate planning attorney with Starboard Legal and Allison Walsh, Walsh Law Office and of course Sharon McNamara and Melissa Wallace with Boston Connect Real Estate. We're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. When it comes to securing your financial future, trust matters. That's why McNamara Financial, a family-owned company, is here for you. As a family-owned company, we understand the importance of your financial well-being. That's why our team of expert financial advisors is committed to your success. At McNamara Financial, we take your trust seriously. That's why all our financial advisors are fiduciaries and certified financial planners, putting your best interests first. With our team of dedicated professionals, you can rest assured that you're receiving top-notch expertise tailored to your unique goals. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Trust McNamara Financial, where family values meet financial expertise. Visit our website or call us to schedule a consultation today. McNamara Financial. Securing your financial future, one step at a time. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Full house this morning with Sharon McNamara. Oh, is she back? There she's back. Good morning, Sharon. With Boston Connect Real Estate and Melissa Wallace with Boston Connect Real Estate. We also have, I'm going to have you guys give out your contact information because we're going to probably run out of time before the end of the show because we'll have just such vigorous conversation and entertaining conversation. But you guys have been awesome and this has been great. We still have another half hour on my show anyway and then we'll continue on to talk real estate after that. But so Amy Hubert Masfer, who's a, real estate attorney with Sherman Law. So again, your offices are in Hingham and Plymouth, you said? Okay. And do you want to give out your contact information, please, for our listeners? Sure. You can reach me at 617-504-9151. That's my direct number. And my email is ahm, for Amy Hubert Masferer, at timshermanlaw.com. 
And the website is timshermanlaw.com? It is, yep. Okay. And then we have Erin Nally, who's an estate planning attorney, Starboard Legal in Norwell. Your office is right. And do yep. you want to give out your contact info, please? Yep, sure. My email is erin at starboardlegal.com. And my number is 781-733-3855. And the website is legal.com. Legal. So you said Starboard. I feel like I keep saying it Starboard. It's kind of like tomato, starboard. tomato. Starboard. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> and then we have Alan, uh, sorry, Allison Walsh, yes. who's a family law attorney with Walsh Law Office offices in Hingham as well. Yes, and, and we're right across from Derby Street Shops. Oh, fancy. So you okay. can shop and dine <laughs> <laughs> and visit me. Can they afford to do that while divorcing? <laughs> I find that it's actually very therapeutic to have yes. shopping and dining nearby. <laughs> Meet your friends after work. Yeah. It's yeah. very therapeutic, after yes. And do you want to give out your contact info? Uh, sure. It's our phone number 781-288-5400 and our website is allisonwalsh.com ellisonwalshlaw.com two L's one I my email is A-L-I-S-O-N at ellisonwalshlaw.com Awesome, thank you. All right. so before the break we had a question for you, Erin, from Sharon regarding 15-ish year marriage home was an irrevocable trust and Yeah, the irrevocable trust piece, right? In true attorney fashion, it depends (laughs) but really when it comes to irrevocable trusts Whoever is, the trust is irrevocable. Yeah, it can't it's be not, changed. Not, you can't and break it, yeah. the yeah. owner of the person that, or the individuals that receive the benefit are whoever the beneficiaries are. Yeah. And they're the ones that have true ownership. The trustee would help manage. And then whoever is creating the trust, maybe they're funding it. Maybe they're the one adding the asset. Yeah. But once they add the asset, so if I create an irrevocable trust for your benefit, I whatever I if I put my house in there, yeah, it's now yours. It's done. Yeah. I can't. You are the one that control it. I'm giving it away. Yeah. So that's the thing with irrevocable trust that I cannot emphasize enough is it's a big decision. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're giving it away. It's not yours anymore. Yeah. And you can say, oh, I'm giving it to the kids, and they know this, and they know that, but. <laughs> what it comes down to is that when everything's calm, we make these great decisions. But yeah. then when something hits the fan and then we're like, okay, now what? <laughs> and yeah. who's in charge? And who has the authority? Yeah. And are they going to, what are they going to do? You know yeah. what I mean? Because that's, it's, so to, was it Sharon's question? Yeah, Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. To, so to Sharon's question, it's, it might not be hers. She might not have any right to that asset at all because it okay. belongs yeah. to whoever those beneficiaries are. It might not even be her husband. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, and that would be out of his estate because something that goes into the irrevocable trust would be out of his estate. Maybe. And may, okay. And, yeah. Okay. So she's yeah. probably not getting any of that asset. So but the like, husband's yeah. putting the house or whatever, the asset into an irrevocable trust for someone other than the wife. Yeah. If that's what happens. It yeah. sounds like he did it before and they got married, so I would guess. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Like so. his mother. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So then, right. so are you saying his, so if he created an irrevocable trust for the benefit of his mother, then she would she, technically be yeah, before, the one that has the... Right. Okay. Then the divorcing the spouse wouldn't be right. eligible for any, anything. Right, right. because like basically it. it's... Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's tricky. So we were talking off... Yeah. off when we were off air about like the estate planning issues surrounding divorce. And one of the questions that came up, Amy, I think it was your question is like, think about a couple that has kids and they divorce and maybe they had done estate planning while they were married 
And then I would imagine, or at least it's recommended that the estate plan should be updated post-divorce, right? Mm -hmm. How quickly and how often that happens, who knows? But Mm -hmm. hopefully it it happens and estate planning documents are redone because things at that point would change, right? Mm -hmm. I think your question was, Amy, is what happens if there's conflicting wishes regarding, in particular, guardianship of children? And we can talk through some other things, too, but... Um, so I guess how often do you often work with couples that redo estate planning documents post-divorce or maybe you're working with one member of the couple. Maybe you don't even know what's in the other member of the right. couple's I documents. Mean, do you really have yeah. a right to even know that? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Ask during the right. divorce. Yeah. yeah, often it's that sort of conversation with the person, right? Yeah. Where are they? It's I try to meet people where they are as opposed to saying, all right, these are all the things you got to do. Because number one, like we were saying, it comes down to what, that person wants ultimately for whatever it is that they're trying to, whatever it is that they're responsible for. Yeah. Post post divorce, a lot of times if estate planning has already been done, their first person is their spouse, and they probably don't want their first right. person to be that person anymore. Right. Some documents, like I'll have language in my documents that says, if something does happen, we're just going to pretend like that first person just doesn't exist anymore. So if you get divorced. Uh-oh. We'll just, if there's a divorce judgment, we're, they're just not going to be in that first position so anymore. So that's already and embedded. Like self-executing Exactly. Yeah. So then that way, God forbid something happens as you're walking out of the courthouse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like you, you didn't still, redo your documents yet. Yeah, yeah because yeah. that's the thing too about estate planning documents is that you might not die. So if you just lose your capacity, you're still in charge and responsible for all these things that you're in charge and responsible for. So who's going to step into your shoes to maintain those responsibilities, whether it be for a temporary period of time because you are heading off to Fiji or because, you know, you're in the hospital and something happened, do you know? So I think especially in divorce too, like Amy was saying, how there's not that presumed person Right. Yeah. Who is going to be that that other individual to, to step in? Okay. And is there any obligation to have transparency between the spouses in that post-divorce? I don't think there is, no. right? There is no. Yeah. No. You can't no. Force, now you're, you can't you're, you're independent people. It's, I think, what the, isn't the language like it's exi- as, as if no marriage ever existed, I exactly. think, is yeah, like the court language. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, the, quite it's so unromantic. It's the opposite of your wedding. So my only choice is to haunt from the grave. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that I'm works. I'm not above it. I'm not above it. <laughs> but we were talking about the, but the, like the guardianship question, like if right. the husband named one person as legal guardian for the kids and the wife named another person as legal guardian for the kids. In order for that to for them for that to even come about where there would be a disagreement, they would there would have to be like a simultaneous death. And what right. are the chances that a divorced couple is going to yeah. die in a plane crash together? Listen, that's like I mean, the right? royal family, right? <laughs> right? Like they don't want Will and Kate like flying together right. because yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So basically, don't travel with your ex. Right. I would say. Yeah, I think that's the best right. It would, it would like we almost never. Yeah. Right. right. Come Right, play. Right. I think that's one of the hardest things as a divorced person is that like you lose that control. Like sure. obviously, you know, you're deceased, but <laughs> you are thinking about your children <laughs> and who would raise them in the event that you were deceased. Some well, people so. want control beyond the grave, which is why I you do. attorneys yes. draft trust yes. and things yes. like that. Yes. I did yeah. want control beyond the yeah. grave, so yeah. that there... was probably <laughs> aggravating in my marriage, I'm going to guess. I don't know to his credit. It, we were talking a little bit earlier about, what, or maybe we were talking about it off air. Is there any, think about a couple that was married for 15 or 20 years or whatever it is and they're dividing their assets and then thinking ahead not uncommon for one or both of them to get remarried is there any like during the divorce process is there any sort of discussion or agreement about if you are to remarry 
XYZ assets that we accumulated in our lifetime should go to our children, not the spouse or some percent of that. Is that a normal discussion or is that like completely off the table or what are... That actually comes up a Does lot. Does it come with up a me, lot? Okay. Uh, yeah, with, with my planning, because okay. we'll say, especially like when blended families will come in or couples that are in their second marriage and maybe there's kids from both marriage. Do you know what I mean? We'll have that conversation. If something happens to one of you, are is the other kids or, or are their kids going to have to wait for the second spouse right. to pass before right. they, or, or maybe, and that's, and then they answer that question. Geez, I don't want that to happen. Do you right. know what I mean? And so they'll say, maybe they'll put in a provision there that's says if I pass, my kids get X dollar amount yeah. as a specific distribution. And then upon passing of the of my new spouse, then it's divided however it is. Yeah. Like they get the rest. But it's a huge conversation because that's you don't want spouses would have to agree on it though, otherwise there's no enforceability. If one spouse were to get remarried even if you had a verbal agreement that right, these assets yeah. should go to the kids. It, but exactly. If there's no planning and there, there's no agreement, right, or no probably prenup before a second marriage, then mm-hmm. it's off the table. And right, not, I yeah. run into it yeah. more on the prenup side. So yeah. if there's a second or third or sometimes fourth marriage, usually not fourth. Yeah. That you So know. sometimes yeah. we'll see, as people especially get older too, they start to think about that and yeah. they think, okay, I have this house, but I want to make sure that my kids get yeah. part of it or that yeah. whatever. So I think I see it more along those lines. Younger folks that get prenups, a lot of times it's family driven. It's yeah. usually the mm-hmm. parents that want them to get it. Yeah. Um, and it's when people are on a second or third marriage, it's usually them that's driving it. Yeah. And sometimes for that reason. Yeah. Go ahead, Melissa. You, have- <laughs> you can hear me. Getting back to the guardianship, I'm just surprised that like when a divorce couple is deciding guardianship, they can choose different people because what happens like if they do both die, like where did like now you have two agreements of two different people. I'm just surprised when it comes to children. I think it's that the odds, the odds of them dying simultaneously are so small. So basically, okay. So then one of one of them, what if the person, the divorced one has like full custody, but if the The other parents doesn't have full custody, they can't like guardianship so so say that I'm say I have full custody of my kids Mm post-divorce and my husband only had visitation or whatever pathetically if I were to die first it doesn't matter that he only has every other weekend he now has those kids 100% of the time he's the biological father biological parents actually have constitutional rights to their children so it doesn't matter what the custodial parent wants constitutionally if you die unless then you get into if if dad was completely unfit right that would be a different situation but assuming that yeah. he's like a decent dad there's no no one's looking at who you wanted to take over yeah. because yeah. you don't you never get to that right. sense. I feel like this would be more of an issue with a married couple who named a married couple could still yeah. name different guardians for the kids in their wills I'm sure you wouldn't recommend it, but theoretically it could happen if they had attorney's draft wills separately. I actually had this issue come up with a married couple and they couldn't agree on guardianship of kids. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it was, what happens? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Because they're more more likely to die together in a car accident or or whatever. So that that would be more of an issue. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. I guess the courts would decide. I don't know. Yeah, what, I think what, you'd have competing. Yeah, if all the yeah, documents yeah. were done correctly, you'd have equally valid appointments right. of guardian, and you'd have they, those folks would get a presumption in court. But I guess, say you have a teenage child, and the teenage child doesn't like either of the people, they can actually nominate someone totally separately, and that jumps uh, the line. Yep. 
I think, yeah. yeah. A teenager of what age? 14. Is it 18? 14 oh, and above. Four, if they, 14. Yeah, 18, there wouldn't be the 18 year old. 18, there would. So at 14, they can so, do. They, so yeah, you could have an eighth or a ninth grader that could say, you know what? You nominated auntie when you nominated uncles, and I don't like either of them, and I like, you know, auntie, whoever. Right. And that would jump the line in the court. The, oh, the child's preference at that age would take over. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I guess like, that's nice to know, actually. Yeah. It seems they, like there should be some, some yeah. 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 What's comfortable for them in an awful situation. Yeah. Right. yeah. Now, this might be a question for Aaron. Do you have an obligation to notify a guardian that you're appointing them as the yeah. guardian? Oh, that's a good idea. I, okay, I'm thinking, no, there's I don't no obligation. They can find out. Remember the movie out. Baby Bell? <laughs> they yes. can yes. find out. Yes. Surprise! Yes. Hello. Usually <laughs> it's good practice. It is good practice. That's like right out of a movie. Yeah. Like Baby Bell. Yeah. Like my baby favorite movie from the 80s. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah. this person has passed away, and now you are yeah. Yeah. the proud owner. That was like that Big Daddy with Adam Sandler, the like little kid. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It would seem like that would be a good... I guess it can always, because circumstances change, but there is no legal... There's no court saying you've... I'm like godmother to 75 children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was no... It's hard right. to say Which no. doesn't mean anything legally, right? Yeah, it doesn't right? mean anything it's legally, like but like school. I god yeah. only knows how many children I might be inheriting. <laughs> which is uh, something I'm concerned about. I was asked to be a godmother at a Texas roadhouse in New York a couple of months ago. Uh, <laughs> no joke. Yes. <laughs> what a story. story. I'm so flattered. <laughs> I don't live around here, though. Okay, uh, right. like, yeah. It's more distant. Yeah. <laughs> I like the corn there. Yeah, exactly. It's delicious. Yeah. So I have a question for, sorry. I yeah, no, that's all right. We only have 10 or 12 minutes. I was thinking we're not going to move on from divorce. We're going to have yes. to do a whole other show for I'm conditions. actually moving on from divorce. Okay, fine. Because yes. I can't relate. I'm, I'm not I'm trying divorced. to move on from divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I love you so much. Looking forward to death. Yeah, yeah. My next transition. Yeah. Uh, maybe that'll be the next uh, show. Looking right. forward to death. Yeah, exactly. How to put a smile. How to put a smile on death. Yes. Oh, me back for that one, please. I'm just saying, Erin could do it. Erin could do it. So I have a question for you. So somebody who comes into you, they want to do estate planning because they own property, they own assets. They're not married. They don't have children. So where do you navigate, like, who this person is going to leave their things to. So say, so I'm 32. I don't have any children. I'm not married. If I bought a house, I would want to do some sort of planning if I was to die the day after closing. Yeah. So where's your professional sort of navigation through that if they don't really have many people in their lives? Yeah. So I... That's what charities are for. Yeah. That's a good... Yes, that's a very good point. I try not to do much navigating. Yeah, that's and, personal preference. And more... Completely. Yeah talk out loud. Do you know what I mean? A lot of it really comes down to just having that conversation about what if this happened? Because that's yeah, a, yeah. a lot of what it is. I tell people all the time, it's life's what ifs is what I'm planning for. Do you know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. we don't know them. We just don't. Like, ideally, they don't come up, right? What if divorce happens? What if bankruptcy happens? Yeah. What if I die? What if I don't die? These are the things that, like, no one wants to think about yeah. it. Do you know? But at the same time, it's reality. Yeah. And like I said earlier, it's a, it's a gift to the others and not so much for you because you're handing them a set of directions when right. everyone's yeah. freaking out over the situation. Yeah, Do you right. know what I mean? So so it's going back to your question. It's to say, let's have that conversation. Yeah. What is important to you? Talk about values. Where do you see things going? What happens if something happened last week? And then right. that and then those conversations then help elicit what would be best for you. Yeah. And then in three years, we 
have the same conversation. Right. Like, so things changed. Where yeah. was this? Where's that? Yeah. Tell yeah. me how it's going. Yeah. And then we figure out whether what we did still fits. And if it still fits, you're psyched. In my experience, single, no kids, the estate planning tends to take a backseat because there's no depend, no financial dependence mm-hmm. to really plan for. And it's kind of, that's not my problem. I'm not here. If I die in my... Denial. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I'm not an attorney, but I would somewhat agree. It's like low on the list of things, priorities in your life. Single, no kids. Mm-hmm. Estate planning is, I guess, depending on le- level of assets and your wishes, right? If someone had very specific wishes, then obviously some estate planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Massachusetts, like in, in absence of planning, Massachusetts intestate law, uh, would Melissa's, for example, assets would go what to her parents okay. first, first, and then if they weren't living to your siblings, yep. and then after that, I have no idea where do they go after that. Right. Oh, oh yeah, there's oh, like aunts that. and uncles and all, nieces and nephews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It goes yeah. up to parents yeah. first, and yeah. then it goes, yeah. and then it goes across. I, to, I have to say, almost estate planning for <laughs> single, not married, no kids can sometimes even be more important because of. if something happens. Do you know what I mean? Who is that person going to be? Do you know, like even, and going back to the kids turning into adults at 18, I have a set of clients actually that came in because their son's teammates' parents weren't contacted after something happened to him. And he just assumed that they would be because... He's 18. Oh, they're always. Right, called, right, do you know right. what I mean? And then right. it was when like three days adult, later, yeah. yeah, they were like, "Oh my gosh, we had no idea." And he just assumed they would have been called, but yeah. right. without documentation, they're not going to call him. Yeah. 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 Do you know what I mean? So no one, who's going to get notified? How, how right. are people gonna? Yeah. Start. This is where like unclaimed property. That's probably right. this is like a lot of where this unclaimed property yeah. comes from. Probably situations like right. that where there's no one aware yeah. of what were the. There's no spouse. There's yeah. no one like yep. aware of what. I'd hate to pick on you, but you brought yourself yeah. up. Like, yeah. where is Melissa's yeah. assets? Yeah. What did she yeah. have for accounts? Yeah. But even and with no physical mail, every paperless statement yeah. delivery yeah. these days, there's not, not even anything coming yeah. in the mail to, yeah. to right. bring, I mean, bring that about. I mean, those are the about. conversations yeah. we definitely have. I, yeah. With my own family being like, what are your assets? What are you? Yeah. Yeah. But I do think it's like, as hard as it is, and speaking with my own parents, it's the most kind of loving thing you can do for yeah. the people sure. who are left yeah. behind because you're yeah. grieving. You only want to honor what they want and you're yeah. trying to walk through the next day. As hard as it is for people to have those conversations, you're doing it for people that you love. Yes. I think people get very stuck on the point that like Pull this is yeah. about them and it really isn't. It's about the other people. Yeah. But Aaron, we should talk a little bit about maybe the next segment too, like college planning, people healthcare oh, proxies, yeah. all yeah. those things. Because mm-hmm. you do not get I was just gonna mention not, that. Yeah, you do not get no I was just gonna it. mention that, yeah. And That's a lot crazy of families that don't, don't yeah. think about that. Yeah, right. Don't think about that. You think I'm paying the tuition, <laughs> certainly you seem to know where I live. I'm paying right? the health insurance. <laughs> you don't necessarily get the grades unless the child signs over authorization. Very true. Very true. Yes, yes, as I learned. It should totally be tuition-based, who gets the grades. 100%. 100%. If I'm yes. paying half the tuition, I should at least see half of those grades. Yeah, exactly. So, things to um, think about. But yeah, we, I mean, we only have a few minutes before we'll break, but then continue on to talk real estate with Sharon McNamara and Melissa Wallace. Is that the, is it Talk Real Estate Roundtable? Is that yes. the, and, Talk Real Estate Roundtable. And do you guys still podcast that? Yeah, we do. Uh, okay. Yeah, talkrealestateroundtable.com. You can go to your podcast app. I'm plugging yes. our show on there. I know, so. that's fine, that's fine. Nice. <laughs> I don't know, any other, my show is technically wrapping up, but I'll stick around and we'll continue. And any, I don't know, any closing comments? Any? We talked a lot about divorce and division of assets and things to be aware of. Does anyone have any, I don't know, advice or closing comments? for our listeners in terms of do's and don'ts or things that work well, things that don't. I don't know. I, that's all right. I, I guess I, I know I had mentioned on one of the breaks to Alyssa, I think one of the things that 
people need to be mindful of when they're getting divorced is at the end of the day, it's really like a business transaction. Oh yeah. And yeah the yeah. problem with a divorce is that it's so hard to do business with your family. People always say, don't go into business with your family and yeah. your friends. Yeah. Especially when emotions are at the And your emotions are ever. at the highest. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a lot easier to be a little bit dispassionate about breaking up a business or, okay, I'm going to have to take a small business loan and buy out my business partner. And people can do that all day long and make the right decision for their business. Yeah. And effectively what you're doing is you're dealing with assets, right? So it's the same idea, but it's so much harder to do when you've got your kids involved, yeah. when you've got someone who you love or loved or love is obviously a spectrum. Yeah, so yeah. it's harder to make those decisions. And then sometimes because things are clouded, people make bad decisions. Yeah. The more, and that's really where the professionals come in, right? You need folks that can take that 10,000 foot view and yeah. say, okay, be dispassionate, right, dispassionate about it because it's hard to do that in your own life. Yeah. Does time, divorce takes a long time, like and time heals certain wounds. So I almost feel like in the financial world anyway, like making big financial decisions, especially like post-death of a spouse, like it's always, the advice is generally, don't worry about it. Give yourself time. You'll make a more clear decision. Does that ring true at all through divorce? Or do people just kind of like want to get done with it and move on with their life and they can't move on until? Or I, I think the longer... Divorces can be done very quickly or sometimes they take years. Yeah. I think the longer the longer the divorce goes on, a lot of times people do adjust their feelings, right? Like they come to the realization that this is over and now we're yeah. living our separate lives. And so sometimes, yeah, I think it is a little bit easier. Yeah. I always feel like as hard as it is the day you get divorced, I always feel like folks, if you catch up with them a year or two later, they're usually in a better place. Yeah. So it can, it's a dark time, right? Yeah. It's a tough time, but I feel like people do usually come out better on the other side. And so that's a gleam of hope. Yeah. In what Even we if do. like small things can be done at the, like custody of the children and things like that, yeah. those obviously need to be done at the very beginning. And even if there are small steps people can take when it's right. done at the beginning and then maybe over time as emotions calm down and people start to emotionally move on and things like that, I would imagine it would be easier. Yeah. And a lot of times yeah. as time goes on, people do start to move on with their own lives. Maybe they meet somebody, they can start to see a future. It doesn't yeah. seem so it's not dark. As dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you were saying in certain divorce agreements, certain things are permanent. I forget the words you use. Certain things are permanent and certain things are not. And if right. you're making permanent permanent decisions might be better to do that with a clear mind and not maybe really not the, the yeah, day after good, you found out that point. your spouse was cheating or something right. like that yeah, yeah. probably yes. not the time to make a big financial yes. decision Sharon yeah. was mentioning yes. selling a piece of real estate like the right. day after someone yeah. you know, found out about an affair might, might want to take a breath the best yeah. time to do that <laughs> and that's why you want to yeah. rely on those professionals because they also yeah. create that yeah. buffer and can mm -hmm. put the starts and stops on when it's appropriate and yeah. I guess my only advice is like the only way to get through it is to walk through it and just yeah. try to find someone who's maybe knows the path. I guess yeah. that would be my my summary a little bit. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give out, you guys have been awesome. I'm going to give out your contact info one more time. Thank you for your time this morning and your expertise. I thought the conversation was great and yeah. we'll certainly have to schedule another show where we talk about other transitional mm -hmm. periods in life or transitional events in life. Death of a spouse, for example, or death of a parent or maybe marriage. Let's stop talking about death and divorce. Yeah. We could yes. also <laughs> marriage and new There's children and starting yeah. a second marriage we know we could talk about that but we'd love to have you ladies back so, so we're not really going anywhere but no. my show is wrapping up and we'll stick around for the next hour on talk real estate roundtable but I just wanted to thank you guys and give out your contact information one more time in case our listeners want to contact you directly so again we had Amy Hubert Masfer who is our real estate attorney Sherman Law timshermanlaw.com correct correct Thank you. And Allison Walsh, family law attorney, walshlawoffice.com. Allison Walsh. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> darn. Allison with two L's. 
AllisonWalshLaw.com. Thank you. And then Erin Nally, estate planning attorney, StarboardLegal.com. Great. Thank you so much, ladies. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You can find out more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com if you're listening in the Merrimack Valley. We also have our podcast, McNamara on Money, on your podcast podcatcher. Is, is that the right term? You're younger than me. Is that the pod right term? Podcatcher? Isn't that like a, pod, a podcast I've never app? Heard of, it, oh, I've never right. heard of podcatcher. I just dated myself. All right, that's not a thing. Sounds great, Just though. kidding. That's not a thing. Forget I said that. <laughs> have a good... <laughs> podcatcher. All right, have a good morning, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>